I Get Buckets podcast. As always, Simon Harricks. This is a celebration one. It's feeling weekend time. We've gotten some good news about getting out and actually watching NBA together. So it only feels right. We're doing it. Let's go. Party time. Two pods left. And I'm very excited for another one in the barrel after this getting down to business time. So it's three sleeps until basketball, which is crazy. It's a crazy time and I'm really excited, as as I said last time, I think, to to get all the the pre-season, I guess, thoughts and stuff that have filled my brain (laughs) since we've drafted out and replace it with real proper basketball. So we are going with the team that drafted seventh here. It's the team, the big Lebronski, um, an update from LeBron the Builder. So um, not much of a real uh, thought put into <laughs> this moving forward, but it's still fine. It's good. Um, he's lucky enough to, to get LeBron James back on his team. Uh, we'll be talking about that um, very soon. But um, to kick off, we'll have a sip and go into... His first pick um, for Coach Jake here at number seven, and it's Mr. Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I, an interesting one, Carl Anthony Towns I had at seven on my board as well. In hindsight, maybe I would have pushed him above because I've, I've had real um, down thoughts on, on Westbrook, but his average of 32.8. I guess everything that we'll know about Carl Anthony Towns is kind of is there, and he, you know, he missed a chunk of last season, but when he was on the court, you saw all the upside. The The fact that he's, you know, probably one of the best, if not the best, you know, shooting big band that we've got um, in the NBA at the moment um, that does all kind of, ah, the other work, the scoring, you know, the the maneuvers in the posts, you know, his ability to, to get good, good rebounds, you know, it's all kind of there, and I have no... Um, real concerns about it and it, it not kind of moving forward. It's just, you know, he's the one that it feels like a step below the others because, you know, we've seen year and year after um, kind of this, this pattern of Carl Anthony Towns being, you know, a real lock, um, high upside fantasy guy that gets taken, you know, as high as, you know, top, your top five. But, you know, it, we've had, you know, five, six years of this now and, um, you know, he's only a really a, a two-time All-Star. Minnesota, you know, <laughs> had no good about outside of that kind of one um, year where they um, they got really close um, playing Denver in that final game of the season to kind of make playoffs. Um, and, like, I think everything's there that, you know, you take him in your first-round pick and you feel they're really good about his count and stats and how he can kind of project forward, I think his ceiling is, um, you know, quite high, his floor is quite low, um, you're going to be really relied and be happy to rely on him, you know, night in and night out on a Minnesota team that even if they aren't good, um, that he'd be, you know, just pumping the fantasy production, but I think it's a bit of this, like, interesting season for him, like, because I think the, the writing is starting coming the war about, you know, you're meant to be um, this elite player, but, um how much can we think that you're that good if you can't lead a team to, to playoffs? Um, the team, you know, has got some real pieces around them, but they've really kind of struggled. I think you can push last year to the side with everything that happened, you know, tragically um, with him. and But, you know, in a tough way, almost, there will be pressure on him to 
to really announce himself back as you know this number one pick that can be invested around and bring the Timberwolves into um, playoffs. And I think there is an opportunity for them this year um, off the back of a few other teams, you know, having injuries or not looking like they have a true identity potentially slip that he comes forward and he leads them. And I think we can see a really big season from him, but there is still those question marks around him um, that, you know, he, he has yet to really kind of prove to us outside of looking, you know, statistically at some of the things that we're doing that we should be every single year going, yep, he's an automatic, you know, top seven, eight pick. But um, even though they, these questions exist, and I wouldn't be surprised that next year, you know, he had a down year and he's not in the top, um, you know, 10 picked. Like I do see that scenario. I'd be much more betting on the side that um, he has a good year and then again, Next season, we're staring at him, you know, around this seven mark again. So I think it, it's it's the one that you definitely would have taken here because, as I said, I think Dran Davis was slightly more risky this year. Um, and then, obviously, Westbrook, um, Zion Williamson, who I kind of had in my top 10, have, have um, you know, got big question marks more than what Carlton Towns um, will give you. So I'm very happy with, with him there. I think moving forward to round two, LeBron James... <laughs> it's a really interesting one this year. Um, only because, again, I've, as I rest, I think ranking the three Lakers were were a tough decision for me um, and probably a lot of people this season. And I think the reasons why I had uh, LeBron third in my Lakers ranking and why he's probably gone pick three, you know, has a lot to do with the fact that he's ticking on 37 <laughs> very soon, I think it is, years age. We've been banking on a LeBron drop for probably four years now, and it hasn't happened. So I do think um, you'd be a very brave man to kind of look and say, well, his average of 32.5 last year um, is going to take a significant hit. Um, I do think, you know, he is the king. The Lakers are going to be good. Um, there might be times where... They manage him a little bit more. I think that's a smart thing for them to do. But LeBron James has kind of shown that um, depending on how things go, he's very motivated to try and um, play as much basketball. It'd be, it'd be interesting if, if something happens um, or the Blakers are comfortable um, and he, you know, he's, his focus is very much on you know the ring and nothing else. There's no storylines around MVP. There's no you know things around um, the Lakers having trouble. Um, that he is more welcome to, to kind of rest in games. And I think that's something that, you know, you'd have to take into consideration when you're drafting him this year. But I think, you know, historically how bankable he is um, as a, you know, a player. And we, we all know <laughs> this is really, I think, you know, the first time that he's gone outside of round one since we started um, NBA Fantasy, which is, you know, a long 10, 11 years now, I think it is. Um, congrats to everyone. <laughs> But I mean, you know, this guy is, you know, we can't really, there's nothing that I can say that everyone doesn't already know about LeBron James. And I think to get him in the second round um, here at pick 14, um, I mean, I had him at 15 on my board, which um, at the time, you know, I think was where I felt, you know, most comfortable putting him. But that's only because there's a lot of other players, um, I think, are just a little bit more young and healthy and their role in their team is a little bit more kind of secure. Like I do think the big three um, for the Lakers, um, you know, LeBron potentially takes a little bit of a backseat with the three. And I think he's going to be really pushing and we're going to see all the glimpses of 
every um, thing we know about LeBron, but potentially those kind of raw, outstanding counting numbers take a little bit of a drop. And that's not because he's <laughs> as switched on or as good as or anything, but I think he's going to be allowing um, your Russell Westbrooks to kind of dominate a little bit more in um, the regular season and deferring to Anthony Davis. And um, I think, you know, 15 is still super duper high and he's still the man. It's just. Um, there's just there's a little more risk every single year, but we, as we've seen, um, you know, the past few years, that hasn't kind of come true. And I, I'd be, wouldn't be surprised if he plays his way into a top ten player once again. Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a <laughs> to get LeBron James as, as in round two just kind of feels um, <laughs> feels very safe and almost a cheat code. So um, stoked on that. Um, Next pick for the big Lebronski is a good one, uh, Julius Randle at pick 27. So I was picking the one after this, and I was hoping that Julius Randle was going to fall to me here. So, um, I mean, I think that's the as much as a tick as I can give. I had Julius Randle at pick 20 on my big board. So um, I think the things why I actually went with, with Julius Randle, and I think around, around this time two years ago, um, and I was you know, ended up kind of blowing in my face a little bit. I think I was a year early on it. But the reasons why I kind of picked him were a little bit, the the wrong reasons to why he popped last year. I think when I was drafting him, I was thinking, you know, bad team, high stats, high usage kind of um, uptake kind of guy that's just going to get so much of the opportunity that he can't fail. Um, But my concerns were that... um, you know, the shooting isn't really there. Um, he's not, you know, this kind of winner leader guy, but um, it doesn't really matter. He's just going to be such a fantasy darling, whereas that kind of was off. And then last year, you know, I had the concerns because of, you know, what happened and, and bumped him down. And, you know, they drafted a, a guy that was, you know, meant to play a similar position in Obi Toppin. And there was a few different things with, you know, coach changes and stuff. But what he showed is the reasons why I didn't like him um, you know, the year before, even though I drafted him high, the leadership, the shooting, he really proved that those are real assets to his game that kind of vaulted him um, to be such a, an amazing kind of almost best pick of the draft um, last year candidate because um, everything just kind of t- came together. And, you know, the Knicks did end up, you know, looking quite good, especially in patches um, to, you know, come to playoffs. And obviously... Couldn't get out of uh, the first round with Atlanta, but you know he was an all star. He was you know the the main reason they all kind of got there. And like I do think that even though there'll be some growth around him with some of the players, that um, you know Thibs is is quite locked into the identity that they had. And um, you know there's interesting thoughts on whether you think you know New York can get better with the group that they've got. But I think Julius Randle, um, you know his average of thirty one point one last year. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's a potential that, you know, maybe it gets a slight hit, but I, I, I do kind of would be very happy of pushing him in the high 20s once again. And, you know, I think compared to some of the other players that, you know, did go um, after him that were available on the board, you know, like your other bigs in terms of Aiton and, and Harris and Capella, um, I like Julius Randle a lot more than those because of the scoring that's going to come. Um, and I just think he's a, he's a very good Good pick here, so I'd be, I'd be happy with that. Um, moving forward to the next pick is pick Christian Wood. 
Um, this is another one that kind of hurt me because uh, the pick before I was picking Ben Simmons, I was kind of tossing up between him and Christian Wood. And I took the, the big roll of the dice. And then, of course, as it happens, you know, Christian Wood goes the exact pick after. And I think Christian Wood is one that um, I had to kind of, you know, put a little bit of respect on, on you know, vaulting him up the, the ladder of the, the big board um, in my eyes. Had him at 27, average of 27.7. Um, last season, I just think, even though Houston are kind of growing and finding themselves, and they've got new pieces, and um, you know he's listed as a center, but you know I think you know obviously you play power power forward. They've got Tyus, they've got Shangun um, coming in, obviously Jalen Green, but you know all of this is just kind of doesn't make me feel any less about what Christian Wood did last year. I think you know his touch for scoring was was probably the the biggest kind of surprise. Um, for me, it wasn't just kind of, you know, easy shot making stuff. He was really creating, um, feeding off some of the other guys and, and finishing through, through traffic and through contact and a real kind of nice, um, nice form in your shot from mid range. And I think all of that kind of scoring touches is, is going to be quite consistent and quite locked in there. I mean, he is again, you know, muttered in the same breath of a few of the other players I've kind of raised in terms of, I think it was Yossiakum, um, or a few of the others that, um, even if it's your Michael Porter, like there's not the, the huge history of us to really kind of know for sure that the trajectory or the, the, the bankability of all of this stuff is like you're 100% locked in some of these, you know, round top four players. doesn't matter how the scenarios kind of pan out with their teams and, and who pops and who nots that, you know, these are still going to be the guys. I think Christian was not as bankable in that aspect around what's going to happen around him. Um, you know, they have, you know, paid him and brought him in, but, you know, he's still, you know, two, three years <laughs> removed from um, G League and overseas and stuff. So that's the only thing of the concern um, that, you know, if things kind of do change a little bit, maybe, you know, his average of 27.7 last year isn't 100% um, replicable. Um, but I don't really have huge concerns about that. I think, you know, Houston... I got to put him the opportunity to do everything he did last season, and um, I think he's going to show us how um, how valuable he was last year. Kind of will continue, um, and I'm not worried about um, the injury from last year. Like I think it's just um, he's the same risk as most players in that aspect. So I'll be very happy to take him here, and I think so far he's he's building quite a, a solid top end, and I think continues to do so with pick 47 and Chris Middleton. So. I think Chris Middleton um, is probably often called the most um, overrated, underrated player in the NBA. I've heard that a few times where he's kind of gone from he's so underrated and everyone keeps saying that, that he's fact that he's overrated. I think um, he's one that I like quite a bit because of what he did in the playoffs. And I thought um, he kind of showed us time and time again with some of his shot making that, you know, it wasn't just Antetokounmpo, although he's going to get a lot of the shine, um, deservedly so, but he really kind of made a point, I thought, that in big moments, in big games, he can be the man that could score. It's not just the three-point shooting. Um, it's you know how he kind of got to the rim and some of the decision-making and, and way he could kind of knife through offense or, or make the pass. I, I, I became a lot more stock in Chris Middleton over the playoffs, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I guess the biggest thing is, okay, well, now we're back in the regular season. Um, is some of the stuff we saw from him um, 
evident of another leap or, or you know, the Bucks coming back to defend, um, figuring a few different things out, I think, around Antetokounmpo when the, the pressure's on um, that they can kind of work stuff. And I do think they're going to be a little bit more um, savvy with some of the lineups and the defense and how that impact him. Um, I think for his his stature, you know, he, he averaged 24.8 last year. I, I do think the Bucks are going to be really good and he's going to really push that to a similar number, if not more. Um, and, you know, to getting at 47, I am at 45. I think it's the right time. He doesn't have that real kind of shine that, um, you know, your Ingram does from earlier this round. Um, I'm going to keep saying shine. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he's gone after the likes of Levert and Holiday and Harrell and Murray this round. And I, I for one, I think Middleton... I would have over all of those, especially in terms of consistency. And I think he's a, a real smart get for, for this kind of pick here. And then I do think he's kind of um, gone to the averages to kind of pick in the early times and potentially paving his way to, to, to be a bit risky later. And I think up the top end, it's been a really, a really good thing so far. But where I, where I do think maybe it falls off a little bit, and this is going to be really predictable because I say it every year and asterisks next to it every year, I think I've proved wrong. But the, the Kyle Lowry this early is his next pick at pick 54. And I, I just must be off it because all the, the GMs reckon Miami had the best offseason because they added Kyle Lowry. Um, you know, he had, we'll see what, <laughs> what he averaged last year. I have to kind of respect him. You know, he averaged 23.7. I think that... Obviously, he's a huge, huge healthy number. But I'll, I'll take a swig so we, before we get to your car, Larry. I just think he's getting up there. I like his his fit more from a winning basketball aspect Do I in, compared to like a fantasy thing for him. I do think he's going to score. Um, I'm not sure he's going to do a lot of the other stuff, potentially. Um I know last year he averaged five and a half rebounds and seventy three seven point three assists. Maybe, yeah. I just I mean I I really think they should be putting the hands the ball in the hands of Tyler Hero more. Um, I like Jimmy Butler running more kind of like uh, ISO point stuff where he's like get out of my way, um, kind of clear to one side, and let me let me let me see what happens. Um, I'm I'm really interested to, to where it kind of pans out, but I just think I was, I'm just a bit of a hater overall. I do respect what he's done and, and what he's done continually year in year, but I just had him in 84 on my board because I'm just like, every time I think about where it's taken him, I'm like, oh, I, I'd, I'd like the upside, the interest around this player more and I'd bump him up and he just slowly goes behind your, <laughs> your really more interesting, whether it's a Cade Cunningham or Kevin Porter Jr. I just, I just kept kind of bumping him down. I think that's more on me. I think, what is maybe fair is that he's been drafted here at 54, I am at 84, maybe somewhere in the middle of those two is poor, probably more reasonable, potentially. Um, in my eyes, yeah, I, I would have gone, you know, Jared Allen, John Collins, Lonzo Ball, all going the last, the three after that. I really could buy into some of, some of the thoughts around that a lot more than Kyle Lowry because... You know, he's, uh, he's, he's, you know, a bit of a journeyman at this stage. Let's see how old he is. We'll take guesses, yeah. He's like 35. Hang on, let's have a look. Uh, shit. 
He's 35. All right, I'm happy with myself there. But he'll be 36 March next year. Um, yeah, I just... Yeah, they're, they're my thoughts back higher. I remember two years ago, he went a similar place, and I sacked the pick, and he averaged like 24. So um, don't get don't get too dissuaded about, about anything I'm saying here. Um, next pick's a Dimwitty. And, I mean, I had Dinwiddie higher than um, uh, Kyle Lowry here. I think this is savvy. I think this is knowing the upside of what Dinwiddie did with Brooklyn um, when he was kind of leading point guard when they had some injuries. Um, I don't follow many players on Instagram. Like, because you can get bogged down in some of the shit. And, I mean, even LeBron James was getting a bit <laughs> a bit sick of all the, the just him filming himself in the car, bopping to music kind of stuff. But, um, so very, very few, but I, I followed Dinwiddie. I think he's interesting. And I only say this, but the, the stuff that he's kind of committed to his injury rehab, um, and I don't have any kind of rate of comparison compared to some of the other players, but he's, he's been working. He was working hard to get back for the playoffs and, you know, missed out. But I, I really think he's going to come back and be fine. I think Washington of, of you know, paid attention and, and really think that he's going to be fine. And that's why he's getting, you know, such a healthy contract. I think it was in the realms of just under $20 million a year for four years. Um, I think they're giving him the ball. He's been, you know, really shown to be not just a, a great shooter, but in a, like he can shoot in all the scenarios. He can like, you know, pull up for the mid range. He's really fast and he's able to kind of attack the rim. His three point shooting is really handy. His passing's fine for you know probably above average for your NBA point guard. It isn't elite, um, but you know I do think he's got a lot of these things that I'd be very very happy to take a risk. He's a hard one to to, to kind of place because obviously he was injured all of last year. But I think this is a fair um, place to put him on a Washington team that I don't think have many bankable players outside of Bill. Um, I really had Spencer Dinwiddie as like my second Washington player that I felt super comfortable at. I had him at 71. You know, he's gone at 67 here, slightly early, but I like I, I do think it's it's clever and switched on. Um, and um, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a good pick and it could be really proved to be be one that, you know, pops a little bit. And I think they're, they're the hardest ones to pick, but the ones that you want to kind of go for if you feel comfortable about it because it, it's one that can really kind of... Um, the variance is big and if you're really happy that he's going to um, do very well, then you go for it. So big ups for that one. And I think you undo all of that good work <laughs> with your next pick with Ennis Ganter, unfortunately, at 74. Um, I just don't know if he's going to play. Like, that's that's the biggest thing. We know how good he is when he plays. And the thing was, I think last year, even when he got traded, he was like put down as like this real um, amazing piece to get back. And it, it proved true. But the, the problem is with cancer is he's, you know, he, he can average, you know, 23, 24, but next week he's not playing. Like that's just the variance with him depending on how the team's going, what, even like how other people are going in the team where they, they're happy to kind of plug him, you know, as his offensive rebounding kind of darling. But, you know, the defense hasn't been there. He doesn't do too much else. He's in, you know, back at Boston, but... They've got Al Horford, they've got Robert Williams, you know, they can go with some of their small, you know, big lineups when they go Grant Williams. So I just don't know if he's going to be getting enough minutes to, to you know, prove um, valuable to roster at all. So 
you know, if things pan out for as they did last year and makes his pick worth it. But I just, I, I don't think it's going to happen. And I think, unfortunately, you know, there's going to be games where he might not really play much at all. Um, I might have, I might be, I might be off base. I just, that's, that was the thought I was going through in terms of ranking him. So I didn't have him in the top 150. That was just personal. Um, yeah, I had him 160 here. And he averaged 21.7 last year. And that's why you have to afford him the risk. But I had him with Enes Cantor and Al Horford placed on the board in respect of their average and what they did last year and who they are. But, you know, together, because I was like, oh, they're both kind of at the Celtics this year. What does that mean for, for them? What does it mean overall? Um, and I just didn't trust that they'd be worth um, me drafting at all. If at the very least, you know, your last couple of rounds, if you get stuck, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see with that one, but I'd be a little bit worried. Harrison Barnes, I'm all about Harrison Barnes at pick 87. Last year, um, I felt confident with what I've seen from Harrison Barnes over, you know, six, seven years. Very, you know, big fan of what he what he does and how he plays basketball. Drafted him, you know, quite late, feeling very confident with it, and then kind of got talked out by some of the reports and fantasy stuff. They're like, oh, you know, he doesn't really fit into what they're doing. He's going to be a trade um, guy. You know, they're paying him too much. And then we saw he really was, you know, top six, seven, I think, in the league in terms of minutes played. Luke Walton just, you know, threw him in as a power forward and kind of was like, you're my guy. We're going to rotate other, you know, big men um, around. But, you know, we're going to lean on you as a power forward because we think that opens up a lot of the other stuff um, that we want to do. And we saw that not only is a very reliable three-point shot, that he, he, he was able to kind of add different things to his game, but, you know, his rebounding was really super healthy. But, um, you know, he, we, we got everything that we wanted, you know, on that Dallas kind of um, Harrison Barnes. Um, but they've kind of pushed him aside and forget about him. And, you know, last year, his, his, his average was... He kind of put him into the realms of one of the best, um, I guess, draft picks only because of, of how healthy um, his average was. My concern this year was only similar to the fact that of last year was like, okay, well, is he going to be in you know the top 10 NBA minutes played again? I mean, I think that it's probably a stretch. I, I, I still think all the great things that he did last year were very important for them and the time and the identity, but... Are they going to change things up? Not too much. Like I still think he's he's going to be so important for them. But um, again, I think you know his average of twenty one point seven. I think it was last year. Um, I I have a little bit of concern that you know it's it's it might slip. I I bet even saying that I had him in eighty eight and you've been drafting him at eighty seven. So yeah, bingo. It's all good. Um, I love Harrison Barnes and I think you're going to be reliable and, and plug him. In. He's not going to. Um, fall off your roster by any means. He was just, he was one that I thought was a dark horse this year for someone to go too early with because of what he did last year. But I don't think anyone um, fell into that trap. I think he's been drafted at the right spot. Um, moving on next is Norman Powell. Um, I, I like Norman Powell. I like him at Portland. I think he's a bucket getter. Um, I'm just, it's it's hard to get super excited of him as a, another kind of guard option behind the two that they, um, you know, obviously the big two in CJ McCollum and um, Damian Lillard. I had him at 111 on my board 
he averaged 18.8 last year. I think that was a contract year. I think he got paid and he stayed. Um, you know, he's been taken here at 94. I think it's a round or two early. I would have liked to kind of roll the dice on a few other guys and then kind of picked him up late. But to be fair, he is more consistent and bankable, I think, than a couple of the other guards that people have, have kind of risked it on this round. Um, you've got your Devontae Graham, your Eric Bledsoe, your Bogdan Bogdanovic, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Like, like I like the upside of a lot of the other guys more in their role, but I think Norman Powell probably fits in to the middle in terms of will be better than a, at least a couple of those guys, um, but maybe may not pop. And and that's fine. These these guys are important for your draft. Um, can't all be haymaker kind of guys. Um, I think next is Rui Hachimura. I was super on him, and I'm starting to slip off, unfortunately, and because I think some of the reasonings why um, I was really happy, you know, because I, I, I drafted him first season and traded for him last season, um, is that, you know, he's come in with a lot of interesting stuff that can make him a really important NBA basketballer. I think he's gotten better shooting the ball, um, but his his defense and he seems to be, you know, obviously quite quite strong and athletic, but able to move fast as like this um this bigger kind of small forward guy that he's he's he, he all his athleticism stuff I thought would really translate to the NBA and I think it has um and we've seen a lot of glimpses early but you know he has been inconsistent and I think that the thing with him in Washington this year is you know Deputy Denny Abida hasn't really popped but. Now they've got Kyle Kuzma. They've brought in, you know, um, Cole Rob Pope in that trade too. Um, obviously, they've gone to the draft again. Um, they've got a few big men there. There's just there's a lot of pieces floating around in Washington that um, I'm worried that he doesn't get his piece of the pie as much. And but I still think he's going to get better. You know, you you coming into his third year, he's going to take the leap. But you really, I think you really want him to demand um, a role and kind of show coach that he's. Um, you know, able to be, um, you know, playing a lot and then scoring a lot, and he has to beat out a few other guys. I think to that role. So, um, I think it's it's a risky one for me, and I think it's more risky than you would think. Um, in saying that, you know, he gets drafted one hundred and seven, and I had him. Um, where did I have him here? I had him in ninety. So I do think, in the context of that, it's a, it's a, it's a worthwhile pick. Um, I just, yeah, I think, you know, he averaged 16.5 last year and you're really banking on a bit of a jump, hopefully. And um, I'd be concerned maybe you wouldn't get that. Like, even though I had him higher on the board, there was guys afterwards. Um, obviously, I took DeAndre Hunter with the next pick, but even even whether it's Fournier or um, a couple of other guys, Kyle Kuzma's the, the round after, and I think there'll be an interesting... Um, look at whether Kyle Kuzma or Hachimura ends up being the better fantasy asset. Um, I'd, I'd slightly um, put my bets on Rui, but um, only slightly at this stage. Things will get so much of a, a better look at how things are, at least um, how the, the service kind of is, or everything's going to land, you know, from week one and two, and then see, you know, obviously there's always opportunity for things to change, but... Um, I'm interested to see how it goes with Rui um, to begin with. Um, next pick, Robert Covington, uh, 114. 
Um, it's like it's like another Portland player that I can't get excited about. I think um, we've kind of gone past the days where all of his real kind of counting stat stuff is excites me. Um, I think you know he had that bygone you know Nicholas Batum upside of of filling the box score. Um, you know, can shoot the ball quite well, but if he's if he's not getting real, he's not openly seeking his shot. It's more, you know, he's you even like in the PGA Tiger mode, like pop in the corner, um, and then he'll shoot it when he's got it. I don't, you know, Covington, I don't think is is doing much more than that. Um, obviously, you want to score him a lot more than PGA Tucker, but you know, he's going to do the dirty work. Um, I think you know, I've heard a lot of stuff around how you know. A lot of Covington's, the idea of a Covington-type player is, is being a little bit overrated, and Covington's obviously the ideal Covington type. <laughs> but um, I think in the aspect of fantasy, he's not someone that I would have really wanted to to kind of um, roll the dice on. I think he's very replaceable um, in terms of, I think I can get what um, Robert Covington gives you off the free agency market quite easily. Um, and that's why I think maybe he's um, a bit of a misstep here. But um, you never know. If he can score consistently enough, um, maybe he holds on to a roster spot, um, at least short term. But we'll see. Um, may, may may pop, but I'm, I'm a bit out on, on Covington at this stage. We've got just a lot of track record that tells me I'm, I'm not excited. Derek Rose, 127 now. It's fine. I mean, we're, we're this late in the draft. I think the upside with Derek Rose is that, you know, they've paid him to kind of stay. They've invested in him. There's not really, you know, your stand-up. Um, like, quickly he's not ready. Kemba's kind of come in, but there's real question marks still over him. Derek Rose can really lead the... Um, the bench mob again, and maybe, you know, the way he plays, um, you know, Tibbs really trusts him, and he can be probably maybe point guard down the stretch. It will be more of a who's, um not who's starting, but who's finishing kind of thing. Um, and I think, you know, as a New York fan, if you want to get um, a player that you really like at the back end, I think um, there's no one really else that has as much of the, the track record of Derek Rose that I can take a punt and yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna slam it. I think there's a you know scenario that he doesn't stick, but that's okay. Um we're getting we're getting late enough that it's fine. We've we've seen, you know, Derek Rose re identify himself and make you know, make him into a respectable, you know, end of bench fantasy player at the very least, if not giving you a little bit more value than that. Um and in the context of that, this is probably where he Deserves to get picked, but uh, yeah, we've we've got enough to know that I'm not going to get super excited. But there may be weeks where he kind of really has those. We've seen those Derrick Rose weeks where you know he, he gets his scoring up into the twenties and, and can be you know pretty valuable. Um, keep going on, Brandon Clark. I think Brandon Clark's okay here um, because it's your second last pick and it's a pick um, 134. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I sold my, my Brandon Clark stock um, quite quickly last year where I think, you know, he's getting played out of the rotation a little bit and they've got a few big men or interesting pieces coming forward where, um, 
I think he's interesting on offense and he's got length um, and I think he's very coachable. Um, but I'm a little bit worried about um, the security in his role. And I know Jonas Valanciunas has left, but, you know, Steven Adams comes in and, you know, JJ is going to make a, a big dent hopefully this season. And I'm happy for you to kind of go late on him because we've seen when he gets the minutes in the upside that he can really, you know, he's a, he's a stretch four kind of guy that pops to the corners, shoots the three, um, has, you know, that really big wink span and can be a bit savvy on the, the boards, especially around, you know, the offensive stuff. Um, get them second opportunities. You know, the hustle's quite good. Um, yeah, so I think there's there's definite upside of, of trying to, to, to get someone who's going to prove people wrong because a lot of other people, you know, thinking maybe he's, He's out of the rotation a little bit, um, a bit confused about what Memphis is doing. Um, and then you have the opportunity to kind of sweep in and take a guy that definitely should have been earlier. And that's the upside and potential pathway for Brandon Clark being a good pick here. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's a, it's a fine risk. Um, but we'll see. There is a chance that he, he doesn't kind of give you the minutes that you want. It could be frustrating, but it's all good. Um, and the last pick, Jamal Murray. Um, 147. There's, you know, it most likely becomes a nothing pick, but, you know, if you're four picks away from the end and you're happy because you could basically draft him, stash him, and pick a guy that you would have probably, you know, unless you were adding off Claxton, Bogdanovich, the Boyan um, variety, or Brooke Lopez, um, you know, it's not going to hurt you. So, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, there's. More likely that he's not back, but there's been a couple of reports saying that he's ahead of schedule and that he'll be trying to kind of come back. Um, you're still early 2022, but a little bit later um, with enough time to, you know, really get some reps in before playoffs if they're in the picture. Um, and if he can... I don't think he's. we're going to see him, you know, for at least, you know, the first half, if not three quarters of the season... And that's probably a positive outlook. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you stash him and if it really hurts you, you can always drop him. Um, so no harm, no foul. Um, I think overall he's done he's done great. There's a, there's a few picks that I think are, are old guys that um, you're probably hoping that they're playing like they did two or three years ago. And I think that will just not be the case. But I think you've done you know a fantastic job up top with um, a few of your picks. And there's uh, a few guys definitely like your Spencer Dinwiddie's or even your Rui Hachimura if it goes the way um, it was that, you know, can really make this one a, a fun um, fun team to kind of push playoffs. So thanks again, uh, everyone. I hope you enjoyed. We're going to... This means we've got one left plus maybe a bonus pod. So uh, we're getting through them and... Um, enjoy the the sunshine for today i think the rain's coming during the week but um hopefully we'll be watching nba basketball together very soon i will have people over now and we can have a proper um replica kind of draft day celebration maybe i think that's something that we'll all enjoy um and i'm, I'm desperate to see everyone not through a computer screen so <laughs> thanks again guys i love you all and take care